Welcome to the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. This is the second in a few bonus episodes to highlight some of the featured speakers in the upcoming OME 2019 conference in Ottawa. On this episode, we're going to hear from Nat Banting. He's a teacher from Saskatchewan. We're also going to hear from Sam Shaw and Matt Baker, who are teachers in New York City. But we're going to start off with Carl Oliver, who is also from New York City. So let's get right to it. I'm speaking with Carl Oliver. He's an assistant principal in a school in New York City. Hi, Carl. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? Good, good, good. Carl, maybe you can introduce yourself a bit uh, better than I did to our listeners for us. I'm an assistant principal and also a teacher. I still teach a class. I've been in New York City for, I think, the last 14 years, where I taught at a school in the South Bronx, and then I transferred to the school that I'm at now, which is City S School, a school that doesn't take standardized tests, which is pretty rare in, in the States, and we also have a, a focus on like real world learning and internships. So it, it gives math teachers like a lot of creativity and license to sort of pursue things that the students would be interested in. That sounds like a very interesting environment to work. Yeah, we're really lucky. We're, we're often asked, like if a, if a class doesn't go well, the teachers will say like, how can we make it more interesting? There's a culture of creativity and figuring out ways to innovate and think about keeping the students' interest at heart. I think one thing about my school is it's a transfer school, so it's for students whose first high school didn't work out well for them. They sometimes call them alternative schools or continuation schools. So these kind of schools have students where math probably wasn't their favorite subject. And if they're in my class, that usually means like math might just be the reason why they transferred because they weren't able to pass the math test. So we're encouraged to figure out ways to take the students who like just weren't served well by traditional math education and come up with ways to help those students get what they need to move on to the next level of education. Well, that sounds very, very fulfilling. So you're going to be one of our featured speakers this May at our OAME conference. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what your session is going to be about. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the chance to speak at OAME. I think my session is going to be really relevant to everyone there. We've talked a lot in the States about a number of ways that math needs to change. This is something that is written about in um, NCTM's like Catalyzing Change, which I'm on the publishing committee, so I've, I sort of saw that book develop. And I think that one of the things they lay out is that there's like a number of parts of high school math that just aren't really working. And I think what the solution to that is that teachers are gonna need to work to figure out the solutions together. I think there's gonna need to be a lot of collaborating across the internet or just maybe across the aisle of the person at the conference that you're sitting at. And there's lots of examples of how these types of collaborations have led people to create new things that have served their students and that have been shared across the internet to serve like numbers of students. I hope that my session will not just illuminate some of these, but actually like spark the creation of another wave of, of collaboration and sharing about ways to improve math education. So this collaboration you're talking about, mm -hmm. would you say a lot of your collaboration happens over Twitter? Yeah, I think Twitter has proven to be a source for like a number of collaborations. One of the things I, I helped do was when Global Math Department spread to the newsletter, I contributed by writing a few articles and then I helped in setting up the mechanics so that I could have a podcast. 
And I think that's something that's benefited like a number of educators. I've told teachers in my district about it. And it really just wouldn't work if it weren't for lots of teachers putting in a little bit of time that they have of their own to try to, to help make the things that they're learning, they're seeing on the internet, and that, that, that they're using to help their students. I mean, putting it in a format that's, that's easier for other teachers to, to pick up and use. That, all the different chats that you see on Twitter, as well as the blogs that teachers do individually or, or as part of the collaborations are, are really great things that I've been a part of on Twitter. As technology provides more and more opportunities, things like Desmos Activity Builder are providing more opportunities for people to collaborate around. It's, I think, going to provide teachers even more ways that they can improve their practice online. And I think part of that too is getting connected with teachers that you probably in another, you know, if you would have went 10 years back, would never had the opportunity to work with. Yeah, unfortunately the profession, at least the way I've experienced it, has put teachers in, in silos for the most part. If you're like a high school algebra teacher, you probably teach just that subject. You probably have one or two other teachers in your building to talk to, if that. And it's, it's really hard to see ideas that can push your thinking and that can serve your students. And at the same time, all these other buildings all across the city have similar situations. So all these people who are in these roles where they, they don't have a lot of chances for like growth and collaboration have really been set free by the internet and things like Twitter and blogs. So now they can connect with other people who actually are like more similar to them and and now they have a chance to like learn and grow from these people every day. I think that it's it's great and it's it's like amazing. It's like once a, a generation kind of change in teaching. I really think it would be like wonderful if everyone coming to the conference can find some of these people while they're at the conference and then let those connections um, extend into their professional lives when they they head back home. Well, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear all your stories of collaboration in May when we're in Ottawa. And so thanks for speaking with us tonight, Carl. No problem. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you in May. Okay. Up next, we're going to talk with Nat Banting. He's from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and he's the creator of the site FractionTalks.com. And he's going to talk about teaching spaces in the mathematics classroom. I'm here with Nat Banting. Hi, Nat. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Nat. Okay. Yeah, my name is Nat Banting. I teach high school mathematics in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Right now, I have a half-time classroom teacher in grade 9 and grade 12, and then I'm a half-time division consultant for grades 6 to 12 mathematics in Saskatoon Public Schools. Other than that, I've been to OME once. Looking forward to Ottawa in May, because right now in Saskatoon, it is about a minus 36 degree wind chill. <laughs> so I'm looking for a little bit of an improvement on that. Yeah, we, we should have better weather in May, that's for sure. So can you tell us a little bit about what your session is going to be about? Yeah, absolutely. So this featured session at OAME 2019 is kind of a natural progression from what I talked about in 2018 in Toronto. And it's something that's kind of occupied my teaching brain for quite a long time. We're going to look at the idea and unpack it a little bit of the math task as an environment, as a place and space where we act as a teacher and learners together. And with all creative spaces, they're defined by their boundaries. So we're not necessarily always told how we must act, but we're usually told or we discover through acting in a space what's forbidden. And this is a very unfamiliar thing and even scary thing for teachers because 
the strong message for a lot of people is that good teaching is good telling. So if we can clearly set the rules for learners, we can be productive. But part of assessing divergent student thought is letting them think in the first place, uh, letting them explore this space. So this is kind of a very natural thing that I've been noticing in my students, this testing or pushing and even altering the barriers in how they work and how they know. And that can be mathematical or that can be otherwise. And I kind of often think of, you know, the first time you let a puppy loose in a new backyard or something, it immediately kind of runs and paces the fence line, kind of familiarizing itself with its boundary and maybe even like marking some new boundaries in the territory or creative video games like Minecraft. There are no instructions in these spaces. There's just limitations on how the pieces interact. And from that, people come up with these sort of masterpieces. And I want to kind of take that particular idea and think about what it looks like in the math classroom. And what I've started to do is think about ways that playing with the boundaries or the constraints can help me plan and observe and extend math lessons with my, with my students. So we're going to kind of pull this idea of boundaries into math teaching by playing with these constraints, kind of explore how you can provide a strategic limitation to a task and actually lead to more math activity and more math thinking. And at first, when I started doing this, it's kind of very counterintuitive that you can take things away from someone or kind of tie their hands in a specific way. And it can actually be generative. It can lead to more thinking. But there's kind of three things that I often see in my learners that I'm going to sort of structure the task or the talk around. We're going to use lots of examples from my own teaching and from uh, examples that others have shared with me over the years and ultimately be doing some mathematics together in the session. So can you give me an example of what a boundary might be? Right. So I like to divide this into two different types of boundaries we have in math class. The first are kind of the social boundaries, kind of, you know, your classroom furniture, maybe the, the previous relationship you have with students or peers or, or a teacher in that class. Um, but specifically, I'm interested in the boundaries of a task. So what are you working with? What do you give the learner? So if it's a task on fractions, certain boundaries and allocations from the laws of mathematics, like that denominator can't be zero. But maybe you restrict a boundary as to give them a choice between specific numerals they can use to kind of build or construct these fractions, or how many specific fractions you would like them to build from a set of numbers or something along that lines, and kind of giving them these like restrictions or specifications that they need to build or design to can kind of shut off certain avenues of thought, but open up other ones that maybe they needed that little nudge or push toward. Okay, so that seems like you've got your work cut out for you. Absolutely. <laughs> but we look forward to seeing you in May in Ottawa. And I want to thank you for giving us a little glimpse of what you're going to be talking about. And we will see you in May. Yeah, no problem. Can't wait. Thanks, Nat. So if you're looking at ways to maximize the richness in your classroom, you probably don't want to miss Nat's featured session. Up next, we have Matt Baker and Sam Shaw. And they're actually presenting a featured session together. So let's get a sense of what their session is going to be about. Okay, so we're talking with Matt Baker and Sam Shaw. They are teachers from New York City, and they're going to be featured speakers at OME 2019. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Really good. Thank you. So maybe you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves and your teaching journey so far. Yeah, uh, I'm in my sixth year teaching. I changed careers uh, about seven years ago to get an education. I teach at a public high school in Brooklyn, New York. I'm in my 12th year of teaching. I teach at an independent school also in Brooklyn. I'm one of those teachers that knew 
probably since I was in junior high that I wanted to be a math teacher. And it's been a really exciting journey that this thing that I always knew I wanted to be is the thing that I actually am becoming and loving. So you guys are doing a session together. You're uh, together, you're one set of featured speakers. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what we expect to hear from you come May. Absolutely. Well, when Maddie and I were sitting together brainstorming what precisely we wanted to talk about, we were like bandying about all these different ideas of things that we do in the classroom that we love, how we facilitate group work, talking about like the inquiry-based learning that we're trying to do in our classrooms. But it happened to be that when we were at this coffee shop brainstorming all these things, we were also at a point where we were emotionally very low as teachers. We felt totally destroyed. It was one of those times when we're like, I feel totally ineffective and just totally down. And we realized as we were talking that this is something at conferences that rarely get spoken about. The sadness, the stress, the burnout, the loneliness, but also the emotional highs that we feel when things are going so right. Conferences tend to focus on content or teacher moves in the classroom, but never explicitly about the emotional life of a teacher. Those are usually like the side conversations that happen. And so we wanted to bring that part of teaching from being hidden away to the forefront. And so as we were talking, we started realizing that telling our stories is one of the ways that teachers can be brought closer together. So I'm going to start talking about my first year. And while everyone's first year is bad, mine was epically bad. And I think it'd be useful for other first-year teachers to hear they're not alone and that it gets better. And then Sam is going to talk a little bit about his time in the classroom and sort of the emotional journeys of being a more experienced teacher. But then we want to go further and talk about ways that we deal with the times that we just can't. Like, full stop, we can't do better. We don't want to go wake up and go to school. We can't imagine 20 more years in the profession. So we're going to like start engaging in real talk. After that, we want to share some of the things that have brought us and our students joy. These are things that we love that remind us why we do the things that we're doing. So I'm going to start talking about a Desmos art project that I have my kids do that they cite as one of their favorite activities, and it really shows how much they're learning and engaging with math. And one of the things that I am excited about talking about is reading books about math with kids. So talking about math is stories. And so I have book clubs, and they end up rocking. So I want to leave the audience with concrete steps if that's something that they're interested in doing. And we want to finish by talking a little bit about the community that we've built around ourselves to help sustain us in this work. So whether we're stuck on something or just having a really bad day, these people that we surround ourselves with to make ourselves get through it all. And that's sort of the gist of what we want to talk about, the side of teaching that isn't what's happening in the classroom, but what's happening in our hearts and our minds. And I think this is a, actually a really important conversation to have. And I think you, you touched upon the idea that these are feelings that both new teachers and experienced teachers can feel. I know for myself, even as an experienced teacher, I feel that sometimes if I try something new and it doesn't go well, that can be the thing that brings me down and may stop me from trying that thing again, when really I just maybe need to tweak that thing. And you know, knowing that other people are having some of the same experiences that's a, a really great way for a community to come together and support each other. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's actually, if I didn't have in my 
department, people that are so open about talking about things that they like try and totally flop. If they weren't open about that or if we didn't communicate about that, I think I would have left the teaching profession a long time ago. But also, as Maddie was talking about, if I didn't have a bunch of people in the online teaching world, which is one of the things we're going to talk about, supporting me and showing me that they're constantly trying and failing, it would be one of those things where I think I would constantly be feeling down and there's a good chance I would have left the profession years ago. And I think it could be really easy to get sort of siloed and start spiraling as a result. So we both think it's really important that we be able to reach out and even if it's just to vent or ask for help, that that's a really important thing that teachers need to realize they have available to them. And I think that last bit, that ability to ask for help, whether it be from someone in your building or someone across the country that you can reach out to on Twitter or some other social media platform, I think it's knowing that that's available to teachers is a very, very important thing. Yeah, we both agree very strongly. Okay, so we're excited to have you speak in Ottawa at our conference, and we hope that you will enjoy your stay once you get there. So we will see you in May. Thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, we're really excited to be there. We just booked our tickets, so we are ready to go. Yeah, I'm really excited to see everyone, and this is going to be an awesome conference. I'm super psyched. So that's Sam Shaw and Matt Baker from New York City, and that's going to be, I think, a really interesting session especially if you're interested in that aspect of teaching that sometimes we don't really talk about and that idea that we really need to have people that we can talk to about what's happening in our classes so that we can just keep our own sanity. So that's it for this episode of OAME Talks. Check out the show notes for info about the speakers that we heard from today. We're going to have a third bonus episode coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. Until next time, thanks for listening.